This is the Two-Tone Uncensored Podcast. Hosts Matt McCrone, Brian Moreland, and Glenn Lotzenheiser talk everything Tennessee Titans. This show is made for the fans of Bleed Two-Tone Blue. Hey, this is Kevin Dyson, former Tennessee Titan, and you're listening to Two-Tone Uncensored. This is Two-Tone Uncensored. I'm one of your hosts, Ryan Moreland. With me, as always, the only man who cannot come to terms with Bleedy Ray Wilson getting cut, Matt Necrone. Gone but not forgotten, the Bleedy Rays will live on forever. <laughs> and also here... Glenn, the poor man Stu Gotts, Lots and Heiser. What's up, Glenn? Who's Stu Gotts? Damn. You don't you watch Stu Gotts? Yeah, you don't listen don't... to sports radio? Hey, Stu Gotts. Stu Gotts. Uh, no, no idea. <laughs> He's on the Dan Levitard show. That's what I was just Googling. Yeah, okay. Sure, why not? We'll go with that. Great start to the show here. <laughs> We're rolling strong already. Look at us. Uh, we have a really big episode for you guys today, though. We are going to uh, get in it in just a second. Only one real announcement. The Pick'em still taking sign-ups all the way up until kickoff of the very first game. You'll be able to join the NFL Pick'em. If you want to do that, go to twotoneuncensored.podbean.com. Click on the NFL Pick'em link at the top of the of the page there, and it'll tell you everything you need to know to sign up. It's free to join. Going to be lots of prizes, cool stuff. Uh, so check that out. Also, we're going to have a very special guest with us on later, uh, a guy that gets a lot more access to the Tennessee Titans than we do, and it's going to be really awesome. That's Greg Arias. So listen for that coming up later in this show. But let's jump right into the mailbag here, guys. First one from Brandon Williams. He asks, should Mike Malarkey play Marcus Mariota in Thursday's night's game against Miami? No, I don't think so. Um, I actually heard him today from an interview, I believe, a day or two ago. He says, as of right now, they plan to play him one series, which, you know, that's fine. But we don't need to see any more of what we've already seen. I'm I'm ready for the regular season. And with all the injuries going around, we don't we don't need our star quarterback going down. I was going to mention the same thing, you know, from the uh, Mike Malarkey interviews. He said, you know, one quarter at most. I mean, not not one quarter, one series is probably all you see of them. Get the starters out of there. Let the guys who are still fighting for jobs come in and play. So I don't want to see Marcus on the field at all this entire game. It's just I don't, I don't want it. Just keep him off there. <laughs> I'm with Glenn here. The risk entry being too high and exactly what Matt said. We know what we're going to get. We're happy with what we've seen. It's not like. You know, it's a it's a battle or anything. Obviously, Mariota's the starter. Let's just keep him out and let him come back in week one when we're actually playing meaningful football. Next question here, sent in by Logan Gillespie. Is it more important for Parrish Cox to see playing time this week, or do you think we should keep him sidelined until week one? So same question, different player. Matt, how do you feel about it? Man, he's crucial to our defense. I really need him healthy. We really need him healthy, but... I do kind of want to see him make sure he shakes all the rust off. So I'm kind of torn on this one, maybe a series or two, something like that, just to get him in there. But 
I definitely don't want to see him tweak anything. So I'm leaning towards no, but I wouldn't mind seeing a series or two. Nope, not at all. Don't want to see him on the field. Just leave him alone for another week. Let him heal a little bit more. Work his ass in practice. I'm going to have to agree here with Glenn as well. I don't want to see him. You know, it's not like with the performance that we've seen from our cornerbacks this offseason that he's in any danger of losing his job. So we know he's the starter. We don't need to to drag him out just to to get re-injured. So don't play him at all is what I say. Jay Russell sends in our third question in the mailbag. Is there anybody that you've seen cut that the Titans should bring in? Probably not. There hasn't been too many big names. I know Pot Roast, Terrence Knighton did get cut, and so did Paul Kruger. Those are all positions that we're pretty deep at. I'm, I'm not looking to bring any any one of those guys in, but uh, I'm patiently waiting on some of these corners. One name I did see was Brandon Browner, which we're getting a lot of mixed reviews on. We probably should leave him alone, but at the same time, He's better than what we got down the line. So I wouldn't be as opposed to bringing him in, see what they say. But as far as, you know, the the big, big names like Knighton and Kruger, I wouldn't touch those guys. Yeah, I wouldn't pick up anybody from this round yet, including Browder, just because he's a penalty machine. Yes, technically he's a better player than what we've got, but he doesn't just get beat. He commits bad penalties while he's getting beat. At 32 years old, he he's at the end of his career. Unlike a wide receiver who you can go out there and he can be slow and still catch the ball, you can't do that with a cornerback. So I, I wouldn't bring Browner in either. The next round of cuts is a little bit more interesting to me than this round. I just haven't seen anybody get cut that's of any real value yet. It surprises me that you don't like Browner, Glenn, because you always complain about the short guys and Browner being a, a very big corner. I thought that he would be on your list, but yeah, he's the only guy that I would think of, but even him, I'm like, yeah, yeah, there's going to be someone more impressive that I'd rather see on the team, I'm sure, in the next group of cuts, so I wouldn't be mad, you know, if they decided, Robinson decided to bring him in, but I'd be okay with passing on him for sure, but speaking of that, what Glenn just said, is there anybody that you think will be cut? that you think could be an interesting addition to this Titans team? Well, first off, six foot four is awesome and all, but when you're slow, it doesn't do you any good. I don't like slow corners even more than I dislike short corners. Hate, 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 hate. But no, I, I couldn't name anybody yet because I just I don't know what these other teams are going to do with their group. Same answer. I don't know who came up with that question, but that's like looking into a crystal ball. Nobody knows. I think Ryan came up with that question. Ryan did come up with that question because Ryan can look into the crystal ball here, and I can tell you who we're going to (laughs) take. Let us know, man. Get ready. He locked himself up pitch. Right now, I want you, Matt, to open up your web browser, get on to (laughs) NFL.com, get yourself ready to buy the personalized jersey because you'll be the first person to have the new jersey of the newest Tennessee Titan, and it's worth the money. No, but a guy that I think is going to be cut, Uh, And I think we could bring in is Jonathan Banks, cornerback from Tampa Bay, if you're not familiar with him. This offseason, they bring in Brent Grimes. They draft Vernon Hargraves. Obviously, they already have uh, Alteron Werner, a name we're all very familiar with. So that pushes Banks to about the fourth or fifth guy on that roster. And he's going to have a $1.5 million cap hit this season. I I think that he's probably pretty close to getting cut. I don't think Banks is going to be, you know, blow away or anything. I don't think he's going to be 
maybe even a starter on our team, but I think that he would provide really good depth for us, and I think he could bolster uh, a secondary that, that desperately needs it, especially at the cornerback position. So that's one guy that I think uh, we could keep an eye out for if he does get cut. I think they're more likely to cut Werner than they are Banks, actually. AV's at the end of his career. He's he's at that point where he wasn't that effective last year. Like you said, they brought in two other guys to start. He's got the bigger contract. I think it's more likely that Banks stays than he goes. All right, two things. Go you're going to call him AV. It's actually ATV. And, <laughs> <laughs> and secondly, I would not buy a Jonathan Banks jersey. But moving forward, don't lie. You know, I'm I'm not into more depth. We don't need more depth. We need some we need some playmakers in the in the secondary. I don't. You're not going to get a starter. Yeah, I was about I mean, to say it'd be no. awesome if they're cutting like Gronkowski and you know we get a uh, shot at Cleo Mack, but that's not going to happen. They wouldn't help out our corners anyway. Take it easy. There's a guy that's going to get cut for cap reasons or whatever else, or maybe uh, attitude, whatever. We need some stars in the secondary, and I'm not saying we're going to get a number one corner, but we can do better than Jonathan Banks. I'd take Werner back. I know that much. Yeah, absolutely. Have good memories there. Uh, last question, though, guys. Devin Chase sends this one in. And this one's an easy one to round up this group here. How excited are you guys to finally watch a team that stands a chance at winning every game it plays this season? So I want you to say how excited do you think you are for this season compared to the uh, seasons in recent memory? But also, how many games do you think not that we'll win but do you stand a chance do you think we have a chance to win every game and a real shot not just you know any given sunday mm, probably not i'm looking at the schedule right now it's oh man ah it's hard to say because you know a few weeks ago without seeing these preseason games i would have said you know no chance against denver no chance against green bay and i'm probably denver's a little iffy at this point but i think green bay is just like light years ahead of us right now other than those though man i mean we we had, do have a shot and i think in every other every other game other than those two i mean they, none of these other teams really impressed me that much i still can't see us winning you know 10 even i mean 10 could happen i guess but the problem we have is our defensive secondary is still really bad and so you're going to get caught up in shootouts and i really like what i've seen from the offense i, I think that they can score on any defense I just I don't know that our defense can stop anybody when they have to start throwing. And so once you get into the regular season and if we get a lead on somebody, they're just going to throw the ball. And I haven't seen anybody play out there yet that's going to stop them from doing that. You know, maybe it changes once Cox is back and he and McCordy are out there. Maybe it at least slows the other team's passing offense down. But I, I think we can win any game we play, I, even including the two that Matt just mentioned. I just I can't see us getting past 10. I'll say this, man, watching that Carolina game with those big receivers and even with Gin's little shifty ass, if they would have played that whole game and it was a real season game, we would have got stomped. I mean, our, our secondary is not ready for that kind of offense. Certainly not with the backups playing starters. I would agree with Matt. That Packers game, probably not winnable. I think I'd put the Broncos in the winnable category at this point. You know, Trevor Simeon, as we're going to talk about a little bit later, is going to be their starter. It's not a really impressive offense, so all you got to do is be able to score a little bit, and you can probably win that game. Kansas City is another one, though, that's maybe not not winnable, but right on that edge of not winnable. I think the Vikings are on that edge, too, 
but there still is that like we just play great in week one. So I, you know, I'm hoping that that's still the case. But I think that most of these games, the vast majority, are definitely winnable for this team. But I do agree with what Glenn said, though. I don't see us winning more than ten because of how bad this secondary is. I think with KC and Minnesota, particularly, as long as our run defense their their guys down, I don't. I'm not scared of either of their passing game, Alex Smith or Bridgewater. I think I think we have a legitimate chance in both of those games. I think we have a legitimate chance in any game that we can run the ball on the other team's defense. The biggest issue we're going to have is just you know the passing defense, obviously. But the running defense hasn't looked that awesome. Our linebackers out of position a lot, so I just I don't trust the defense from the line all the way back to the safeties. It's just the secondary worries me the most. So any team with a strong running game or any team with a strong passing game, I see us having some trouble with. Obviously, a team like Carolina where they can do both, you, you have no shot. And you know, Matt said we would have gotten destroyed. It would have been ugly. I agree. The reason I said we could possibly win the Packers game is because they've been up and down a lot the last couple seasons, and there's no telling how many receivers they'll have left healthy by then, and there's no telling what their defense is going to end up really looking like. So Green Bay is a team I have a lot of questions about this year, which is the only reason why I said we we could win that game, but we win that game, we lose some game that we should have won. Like So we'll beat the Packers but lose to the Colts. You know, some nonsense like that. Yeah, that's a good point there, too. And to touch on it real quick, the excitement part of it, I know for me, and, and I'm the pessimist on the show, this is the most excited I've been for a, a Tennessee Titans football season in, in quite some time. And, you know, it's been a while since I've been this excited. And even though I know I don't think we're going to go to the playoffs, I don't think we're going to do crazy well, just we're building in the right direction. We're heading somewhere really, really great, and not just this year, but years to come. So for me... The excitement level is very high on this team. Yep. Same here. All right, guys, that's all we have for the mailbag. Now I'm going to hand it over here to the anchor man, Glenn, and he's going to bring us some news. What do you got, Glenn? Uh, we're just going to kind of look around the league this this week. Not going to worry about just the Titans because we we all pretty much know what happened with the Titans this week. There's not a whole lot of news, you know, on our end of it. I will say uh, today, Kendall Wright pulled his hammy again. Malarkey said it was a different spot. Kendall said it was the same spot. He just can't stay healthy. There was some talk about this on uh, Facebook today when we were involved in where I said, let's just go put him on IR designated to return. Just write him off for eight weeks, and then we'll worry about him later. Does he have any trade value? Do you think maybe we should just go ahead and sit him for a while and just do it with what we've got? That's an interesting question is the, is the trade value. And I was thinking about it today. When I saw it, and I like Kendall Wright, and you know, and I'd I'd like to see him in a Titans uniform, but I'd like to see him successful in a Titans uniform. I'd rather keep him, but I'd rather keep him if he's playing at that level. And we're really seeing Taze Sharp step up. You know, we still have Rashad Matthews, who, you know, just coming onto the team. Harry Douglas is still there, so a lot of guys that can kind of play a similar style of of football for what Kendall Wright does. So I was thinking about trade value, and if we could get somebody in our secondary or someone in the interior offensive line, somewhere where, where we could really use it, and I just don't think that there's going to be a whole lot there for for us to get, to be honest. You know, especially at this point, it's hard to get good value for your trades at this point because teams know that they can probably just hold on until you cut the guy. You know, so you're not going to get really great trade value, so... I say hold on to him right now, and if you're really dead set on trading him, trading him 
you know, halfway through the season when someone's desperate because of injury or trade them at the end of the year, you know, when the table's clean and there isn't any deadlines or impacts, you know, both teams are on an even keel. Trading them right now, though, it always hurts. You know, we saw what we got for DGB, and, you know, we talked about that trade. I think you're going to end up with something like that if we do end up trying to trade him. But it is, it, it's really rough that this happened, and it continues to be a problem for right to stay healthy. But it does really take the edge off that we got a guy like Tajay Sharp who's really been producing. Yeah, I'm completely torn on this whole situation. I think that it sucks that it happened again. Kendall Wright's one of those guys that I'm really like right on the fence with him. He, at times, feels like he doesn't want to be here. At the same time, man, we cannot trade him now for the exact same reason Ryan just said, that you know we won't get shit for him at this point. I say stash him at this point and just see what happens because it's it's hard to evaluate him. There's there's guys that can fulfill that slot duty, but not like him. He's he's a quick, shifty guy and can produce. But if his heart's not in it, he doesn't want to get on the field, then we're kind of just holding a, a spot for him for no reason. That being said, it's cheaper to keep him. What I would do and what I think they should do, depending on the severity of this injury – I would personally like to see like Roddy White or somebody like that come in and short term because I, I think Roddy can do everything Kendall would do for us and he's he's got reliable hands which is what we need another set of reliable hands and I mean you know if Kendall Wright comes healthy mid mid season put him back on the field see how see what happens I mean this is his make or break season it sucks that it happened you know now this year but I want to see him succeed I'd like to see him stay with us but it doesn't look like that's going to happen. Yeah, trade value-wise, he's got nothing. Uh, he, he's the kind of guy right now when you're hurt that even if you can get him to put real past the physical, you got to have somebody to trade with him to do anything. And that's a problem for a team that doesn't have any depth is you can't package anything because no one wants what we got. As far as putting him on IR, I'm not against the idea. I'm one of the ones who brought it up in the first place. It would let him just get healthy and not have to worry about playing football. But I don't know when it was time to bring him back on, that he would be in the right mind frame to even come in and contribute. Uh, we saw what that did to Cobb last year. He, he just never really got going. And he's, he's looked better this preseason than he did last season after he had all that time off. It, it's hard to put a guy on the bench for that long and expect him to contribute later. It's a shitty situation. It absolutely is because he's, he's a dynamic player. I really like him. It's just He can't contribute right now, so he doesn't do us any good. You bring up a good point too, Matt, is that it is his contract year, and it's something that slipped my mind when I was thinking about this. Obviously, he wants to be on the field as much as possible because you want to try to play as as best as you can so you can get as big as of a payday as possible. So that definitely makes you think, you know, let's try to keep him around. Let's try to keep him, get him to the point where he's healthy and we can bring him back because we know you're going to get everything you can from him while he's healthy at least. I just don't know how long it's going to be before that actually happens. We don't know the severity of the injury. He actually tweaked. I don't know if it was the same. I'm pretty sure it was the same leg, but different part of the hamstring. So. Well, Malarkey said it was a different part. That Then later on in the locker room, Wright said it was the same spot. So we have conflicting reports thus far. And if it's the exact same spot, then you know, all this time he's already had off to didn't fix it. It's a rough situation. It's a bad deal for him being in a contract year. We, we got to get him healthy and on the field at some point, or otherwise he's just he's gone next year. You just don't worry about him. Yeah, I mean, all we can do is move forward without him at this point, and if he can come back at some point and produce, then that's where we will put him in. Exactly. That's why we got high drive picks for next year. 
So yep. we're going to move on. Joey Bosa finally signed his rookie contract. He got all of his money up front, so I'm sure his mom feels like a winner today. <laughs> he's he's missed all the preseason work. He probably doesn't play this weekend because he hasn't been on the damn field. He hasn't been in the facilities. We've seen holdouts ruin seasons for a lot of players before, not so much since the rookie cap came in, but before that you used to see guys hold out all the time, and it happens a lot with San Diego. How long do you think it is before Bosa can be ready to make an impact, or is this season just it's screwed now? He won't get a chance to be really full steam until next year. Uh, man, it's hard to answer the question, Glenn. It's it's hard to say because he is. I think he is a good athlete, and I think that he deserved to be drafted where he was drafted or in that area. But I think he's going to struggle there because, especially not having the time in camp to get a hundred percent familiar with everything. I know that he has a playbook, and I'm sure he studied it and and what have you. But there definitely is anybody who's played to tell you there's a big difference between just you know, flipping through the playbook in your hands and, and actually going out and executing and, and starting to put it together on the field. You know, anytime you learn anything, it helps just to, to do it and you know, get the hands-on training, which he hasn't had, obviously. This is a huge contract for a guy that, that's this young, under the new rules, of course. $25.8 million with a $17 million signing bonus, and it's fully guaranteed. They're saying that it's the largest upfront signing bonus in team history for the Chargers, you know, for a guy that hasn't even taken a snap yet in pro football. But they got the wordage that they wanted. I'm not exactly. I haven't gotten. I've tried to look it up and stuff. Exactly what all that entails, what the what the wordage actually is. But it better be something impressive because, I mean, 17 million uh, signing bonus is a lot to give up just to get the words in the contract that you wanted. So we'll see, you know, I'm sure that more reports will come out as the days go on, and we'll get the uh, more of an idea. But as of right now, I mean, it's, what are you going to do? You need to sign the guy, the third overall draft pick. you got to get him on your team and got to get him ready so he can play week one. And it's crazy that it took this long to do it, but, you know, the mama's boy, he got his money, and I'm sure, as you said, mama's happy. I can't stand Bosa. I can't stand Ohio State. I can't stand the fact that the Chargers look really weak in this situation. The only thing I'll add to everything that was just said is I'm I'm so, so glad that we did not draft this guy. I know he was our first mock draft way, way, way back when. He was projected to come to us number one, and I'm so glad that didn't happen. This guy's – I don't want anything to do with him. I think we've already talked enough about him, to be honest. Yeah, I spent a lot of time this offseason arguing against him as our first draft pick when everybody was just discussing mock drafts and all that. I never once took Bosa, can't stand the guy. It was just about his, his Hollywood attitude, which coming from me is funny. But I never liked the guy, I didn't want him on the team. I'm happy we didn't get him. It wasn't so much a he's not a good athlete. It's just his attitude always seemed like he was setting himself up to be a bust. And, you know, it may not happen that way. Just he had that attitude, like, I'm going to be the best thing you've ever seen. And it almost never works out that way. But, yeah, like Matt said, let's stop talking about him. Let's move on. On, on to somebody uh, less important, actually. Trevor Simeon has earned the uh, Broncos <laughs> starting job over uh, Sanchez. So now the Broncos are looking to trade Sanchez. Matt, do we care? We do not care. In general, it doesn't matter. I've never seen Trevor Simeon play it down, so... I know nothing about this guy. I'll say that I like everybody's chances to beat the Broncos this year with either one of those guys. I know they had some serious questions going in, 
I have followed Paxton Lynch's college career, and I think he will be something something to see in the future. But I don't think you're going to get much for Sanchez in this league. And, you know, I, off the top of my head, I can't think of anyone that really needs a quarterback that badly to want to acquire Sanchez because if you think about it, that's where Denver was not too long ago when they got him. So, uh, no, I don't care. Do you care, Ryan? Do I care right now? Now, will I care December 11th, you know, when the Broncos are in Nashville? Like, yeah, that's when it'll matter more to me. And we'll see what shakes out until then. Trevor Simeon, the stat that they've shown all season as he took one snap last year, and that was to kneel the ball down. (laughs) So, you know, not a lot of playing time, not a lot of experience. And he beat out Mark Sanchez to get the job. So, no, like right now, you know, it doesn't really matter because we'll see what happens and if we end up playing Simeon down the road. But that leaves him in a, a sticky spot because Paxton Lynch, I'm not a, as big on him. If big on him or not big on him, I think everybody knows that he's not NFL ready yet. This guy's a project and it's going to take a while. So that's going to be your backup. So you, your starter's Trevor Simeon who has one career snap for a kneel down and your backup's Paxton Lynch, who's about three years away from being able to run, I'm in NFL offense, so it's, you know, good luck, Gary Kubiak. (laughs) You're going to need it. Okay. The answer to that question was no, we don't care, and then moving on. Not a (laughs) five-minute symposium. (laughs) Damn, guys. All right. Uh, Last thing I've got for you all. Tony, Jessica took the milk in the divorce, Romo. Broke a boat in his back. (laughs) He's out six to ten weeks. It's now Dak Prescott time. Is this officially the start of the Dak Prescott era? Does Romo ever get a chance to be a starter again if Prescott looks even average? Absolutely. Absolutely, Romo's going to get another chance. Unless Prescott looks like Cam Newton this year, then no. But Romo, obviously, he's he's a really good quarterback. I think people are jumping into the conclusion too fast. Romo's hated in this league, and, and it I've never really quite like understood it. He's a good quarterback. He's a very good quarterback. I think he's right up in that second tier group. I wouldn't say elite, but in that second tier uh, of NFL quarterbacks for sure. The injuries though are becoming a big issue. Uh, but I think Prescott. He's looked really good so far. He's really impressive numbers through preseason. But he's also standing behind you know the best offensive line in all of football. So definitely helps out a little bit, but it'll be exciting to watch. He brings a very exciting form of football and to see what happens here. But this brings up your last point here. Dallas could be a team that's looking at the old Sanchez with Romo out. I mean, I don't even know who they have as their third stringer. Prescott coming in. If he goes down, you're going to have to have somebody. Technically on the depth chart as of the other day was Kellen Clemens was actually number two. That's not saying much, but I mean, Kellen Clemens, Mark Sanchez, pick your poison. I don't know, man. I think they said six to ten weeks for Romo. I heard today on the radio, actually, that he's going to start getting back into physical activity after three weeks. So it may not be as serious, but at the same time, Dak Prescott has looked very impressive against vanilla defenses, although he did play for a little while against Seattle's first string. So, I mean, he he's not completely under the rug, but I, I will say that He's looked very good so far. Unless he's, like, amazing, it's Romo's job when he comes back. Yep, and I agree with both of you guys. Romo's a much better quarterback than he gets credit for. I think his problem is that he plays for Dallas, and lots of people hate Dallas. He has a way of losing games at the last second, throwing interceptions, the uh, 
the botched hold on the field goal, stuff like that. He, he he's had his moments where he's looked bad, but he's looked good a lot more. And he's he's terried a lot of teams with you know pretty solid fantasy seasons, but when you get hurt at the end of the year, fantasy owners never forgive you. And that probably has something to do with it. I have a question for you guys here. If he holds that kick perfect, like you know, it's perfect snap right into his hand and holds that kick and doesn't fumble it, and the kicker shanks it, so they still lose the game, and everything else in his career is the exact same. Do you think he would get? A lot less hate. Other than the Ace Ventura style laces out Dan thing, no. I don't know, man. I think it's more cowboy related than anything else. I don't I do too. I don't dislike or like Romo, but a lot of people hate him just for the cowboy reason. Yeah, just just like Brady and the Patriots. Yeah, maybe that's true. Okay, and the last thing we've got is we're going to go through the roster cuts real quick. We're not going to spend a lot of time on it because most of these guys you know, already know. Uh, Lamarcus Brutus, he's gone. Will Campbell, offensive lineman's gone. Dante Foster, wide receiver's gone. Uh, Marlo Herrera, who we just picked up just a couple weeks ago, was gone. Reese Horn, who we picked up just a little bit ago, is gone. One of the draft picks from a couple seasons back, DeAndre's Mount, he's gone. He's a guy that a lot of people, a lot of the fans seem to like. I never really saw it, but he's an outside linebacker that they've got ahead and cut him. Just, I mean, you can't be surprised at this point from all the guys that have shown up, like Bass has shown up and has played really well. We brought in Dodd. So we kind of knew Mount's time was gone. Tyler Patman, who we just picked up from the uh, Dolphins, he's cut. Uh, Nick Richer, offensive lineman's gone. Mike Smith, defensive end is gone. And Matt, I'm sorry, but Bloody Ray Wilson is gone. I know, man. I know. It's been a rough couple days over in the the Crone house, but he's going to get over it. It's going to be all right. Yeah, it's been a lot of a lot of time uh, mourning the loss, but I think we'll be all right. I have a question: Are you going to now rename your youngest child from Bleedy Ray, or are you going to keep the name in Listen, in remembrance? He's impacted me dearly, and I think that we're going to go ahead and keep the name. Your cardiologist thanks him. Listen, if you got a, a lot of people don't know this. My nineteenth favorite college football team is the UConn Huskies, so I mean that plays a part in this too. <laughs> No, looking at this group, guys, like Glenn said it, there's nobody really on this list that overly shocking. I thought that Bleedy Ray would make it longer. I think he, I thought he would make it to the last cut, but he's off. Lamarcus Brutus, you guys gave me a lot of flack for hating on him, but I knew he wasn't going to be on the team for very long. I didn't. With, with a lot of these guys. <laughs> Nor did I. Oh, yes, you did. Both of you gave me trash <laughs> no, for going not. after him. Oh, I will find I, I, it, and I, I will, who, I'm going to edit it in right here. But the part that you guys both gave you flack is going to be right here, so everybody can hear it. But, Excuse me, but when I was told to go do uh, some research on Marcus Brutus, I said, who the hell is that? Then after I researched, I said, he's got no chance in hell. Why are we even talking about him? Oh, I know, but you still gave me I shit not. about it. Both of you did. The only thing I have to add to this, though, is DeAndre's mount is the exact same thing for me as Superna is. Like, he's not a great player, but he does have a really cool name. So you kind of, like, like rooted for him just because, the, like, DeAndre's is, like, I don't know, it's a cool name. He seems like cool. it's cool. It's I think it's cool. <laughs> so I was rooting for him for that reason. I thought you liked the name Mount. <laughs> That's where I was going with that. <laughs> of course you would go there. Grounder. Anyway. Exactly. Nah, man, between Mount... Ray Wilson and uh, Brutus. I thought all of them would actually get cut later on. I don't know if that's like a personal favor from the coaches to see that they can get some work sooner rather than later. But it's better off, man. I mean, but there, there's guys on this roster still that I probably would have cut before those guys. 
Everybody else, in my opinion, I mean, Dante Foster was on the team for like a week. Or Marlo Herrera, who I mentioned didn't do anything, would get cut soon. That, that pretty much came to fruition. So all these guys really, you know, no no major shocks. But Deontrez Mount, I think he's a good player. I'd like to see him on the practice squad. But we got a lot of good depth at linebacker right now. Blady Ray, like I said, uh, when they talked about working him some at safety, that was the death knell for him. I didn't think he had a chance. So you might as well just cut him and let him go see if he can find another roster somewhere. You know, I'm sure uh, Jeff Fisher will bring him in. <laughs> yeah, no shit. <laughs> but, yeah, otherwise nothing really surprising going on. The next round of cuts will be a lot more interesting for everybody, and we do still have two more cuts to make. So there's no telling what else will happen here in the next day. When's the deadline for that? A day? August 30th, yeah. Yeah, at 4 p.m. is the deadline for those last two cuts, and then we got to be down to the 53-man roster at 4 p.m. on September the 3rd, which is Saturday. Any predictions for those two guys? Who else does Matt love besides Bleedy Ray? I, I was I'm say, just going to pick who, players who, that you like. Who's next? Who's, who's Matt's next favorite has-no-chance-at-hell player? B.W. Webb. <laughs> he, you had a lot of good things to say about Webb. But Webb and Riggs will be gone next. Yeah, there you go. No, don't say Riggs. <laughs> Soft spot. Yeah, don't do that. I don't even have a guy. I think it's it's going to be... Oh, you know what? Another big name that got cut we didn't mention was uh, Rapato Patui or whatever the hell his name is. Is he actually gone? I didn't see him on the list. Uh, he's not on Ryan's list, but he believe yeah, right, he did. Believe he, he, he got get, cut. And Andy Gaelic got cut, too, but that was in, well, his in yeah, the waiver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that was that's another one. I forgot all about that. But, I, um, I, I honestly thought he was off the team earlier in this year or earlier in one of our other shows. I said he was gone or would be gone soon. So I thought he was already gone. <laughs> I was surprised <laughs> to see him playing the other night. I was like, oh, Glenn says it on the show, and he just automatically assumes that John Robinson's like, oh, Glenn said it. Cut him. <laughs> Magic. <laughs> Malarkey, get your ass in here. You hear Glenn? <laughs> <laughs> So this guy in Oklahoma, he knows. Get him on there. Oh, shit. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we have Greg Arias with us, and he's going to take us through some of his takes through this offseason and preseason. So very excited about that, and we'll be right back. Time to pay the bills. Some quick ads, and we'll get right back to the show. Hey, this is Ryan and Rich from the Free Parking Show. Our show is a sports podcast hosted by four sports journalists and features shows like Beers and Cheers, Par for Discourse, and our NFL preview, the 32-team parking garage. Check us out on Stitcher, Spreaker, and our website, www.freeparking.com. You're listening to Two Tone Uncensored, brought to you by Pinecast and Stitcher. All right, we're back from the commercial break here, and we are here with Greg Arias, writer and analyst at Scout.com, and on the new a new Titan show that he's going to tell us about a little bit later. How are you doing, Greg? I'm well, gentlemen. Thanks for the invitation tonight. Thanks for being here. 
Absolutely. Happy to have you on. So let's jump in to the first thing, and I think everybody's excited about We just talked a little bit about this, Greg, was the cuts, you know, 11 cuts, I believe it was made. What did you think about this, your initial thoughts about the cuts the Tennessee Titans made? Well, other than DeAndre's mount, who was a somewhat surprising cut, uh, the rest of them were pretty much things that were expected to happen, so not a lot of surprises there. I honestly don't think there's going to be a lot of surprises, even when we get to the uh, other cuts, that uh, there will still be two more to come tomorrow. And then, of course, on September the 3rd, when the remaining cuts are made to get down to 53, I just don't see a lot that I would think would be surprising. And, Greg, you touched on it there. We have two more cuts to be made before 4 p.m. tomorrow. Do you have any idea who the team might select for those two cuts? Is there any leanings or anything that you're hearing yet? No, uh, Mike Malarkey, and of course, he's not going to tell us that today. Uh, they'll wait until John Robinson officially makes the call on that to, to announce it. So no real leanings. Uh, there's several candidates. Obviously, you've got several wide receivers that still remain on this team that are not going to be there come the start of the season. I think what they're trying to do right now is to release guys in positions where they still have people to play so that they don't have to play the starters a lot Thursday night in Miami. Mike Malarkey talked about that today in the post-practice press conference was the fact that the starters would play one series, whether that's a three and out for the offense, a three and out for the defense, or a 14-play drive. They're going to get one series, and they're going to be done for the night. So they have to try their best to keep enough people to be able to finish this game and certainly get through it healthy and not get any of the important guys on either the first or the second team injured uh, this close to the start of the regular season. So no real leanings as to where they're going to go. I would think, though, receiver might be a good place to look. Yeah, I agree. Hey, is there anybody that you've seen that uh, was cut today that uh, maybe the Titans should bring in? I know that you know Brandon Browner is a big name, and I know we're looking at secondary, but we're all kind of iffy on that on that signing. Well, Kawan Williams is a guy, a corner, basically a slot corner that was released today by Cleveland. There have been some issues with him as far as some things with the Browns. He was suspended for the first two games by the Browns for violations of team rules, not NFL rules. So I don't really know what those are. I certainly think he's a guy that will get a look from John Robinson. Now, does that mean that he will be brought in? Hard to say. I certainly think that Robinson probably knows about this guy. He's certainly, I'm sure, along with the scouting staff, been doing their homework on potential players that will be released, and they have some kind of idea. But keep an eye out. That's a name that could appear. He certainly could be a guy that we hear about being brought in at least to to have a chat with the Titans here in the next little bit. Now, he is a guy that's going to have to uh, be picked up off the waivers, but certainly I think they might be interested in a conversation with him prior to deciding if they want to do that. And and he's a young guy who's got some experience and has played well at times. So, like you said, it's purely a team rule saying it's just up to the Titans if they think he's a knucklehead or not. Yes, I would say that's where where the decision will lie. Was it something that was severe or was it just a personality clash between he and and new head coach Hugh Jackson or a coordinator or something that maybe caused something to happen that is not a real big deal in the grand scheme of things, but it was at the time with that particular team in that setting. Yeah, there's always questions of fit. Another thing that happened just 
this last week here was uh, Craig Stevens is retired. He, he's a guy that, like we talked about last week on our show, he's he's was always kind of undervalued. He had a lot more ability and athletic ability than he got credit for because he was just so top tier as a blocker that people didn't think of him much for the rest of his game. Uh, he obviously leaves a big hole behind him. We have some veteran guys, but do you think this helps Supernal as a lock? Um, what was your opinion on Supernal as far as his odds of making the team before Craig retired? Well, to be honest with you, I'm of the school of thought that the Titans should keep three tight ends. And obviously those three would have been Delaney Walker, Craig Stevens, and Anthony Fasano prior to Craig walking away. And, and I tell you, certainly Craig's going to be missed on the field, but I think even more so was his presence in the locker room because this was a really good locker room guy, a really good person uh, overall, good to talk to. Uh, guys liked him, and even though he wasn't a guy that was out in front with the media, he was certainly a guy that packed a lot of influence in that locker room. But as far as Supernova, I think certainly right now he makes this roster, obviously, because he is the third best tight end among the five that they still have remaining. I think we're going to see John Robinson and Mike Malarkey look at the releases coming up from the other teams, and certainly if they find at least one or even two tight ends that they might feel are better, Supernova is not necessarily a lock to make this roster just because of what potentially could be released. I think they're going to keep four personally. That's the Titans. That they're What they're looking to do, as I said, me personally, I'm a kind of a three tight end guy here, giving you an option to carry another guy at another position that you might need even more because I look at Jostin Fowler as a guy, as a fullback, that can slide up and play some H-back, which he's been doing. He could even move up and play some tight end. He's got pretty good hands. He can do some things, and I think that saves you and gives you the flexibility to go somewhere else and carry another guy at a position of need. It's funny that you say that, because that's a conversation we actually had back when we were doing position by position. We were talking about whether they should keep three or keep four. I wanted three at the time, just because we had those three veteran guys, and two of them were, you know, Craig was such a good blocker, and then Fasano can go out there and catch passes. He's a, he's a, he's a good blocker, too. He just does it in a different way. He's more of a finesse guy, whereas Craig can just overpower people. Your point about Fowler is a really good point, too, that he can help fill that role, especially as an H-back. We've seen some of that in the preseason already. Now, the thing that we were talking about then that Ryan kind of swung me on with having four, which you're saying is what the Titans would probably do, is having such a physical run game that we would need the depth. I could see three with the veteran guys. Do you think they kind of need four now, though, just to keep – you know, Supernaw and say Cunningham around, so you have a guy who's a big, strong, physical blocker like Cunningham, and then Supernaw who can get out in space a little bit, even though he does have some of the drops going on. Well, Supernaw, you mentioned it drops, and I think the biggest thing for him is he plays special teams and plays them well as far as covering kicks and punts and those types of things, but he also has the bonehead penalties, and that's the thing about him that. I don't like personally, not him personally, let me make that clear. It's nothing against the Supernova the person. It's as a player, the the penalties. If he cuts those out, certainly I think he is a, a good addition to the room. But that was one of the reasons why I had him out of the deal before, obviously before Craig walked away. Again, I think that the Titans want four. And if they go out and find two guys that uh, maybe there's a surprise cut uh, somewhere, a veteran guy gets a uh, 
released by a team, I think we could well see Supernaut out of the 53-man just because of what they're able to pick up off that waiver wire. Again, that's a, that's a big if. If they don't find them, I think they go forward. They try to add somebody because they want a veteran. Obviously, Cunningham, not a lot of experience. Alex Ellis, no experience in the NFL. I think Ellis is a guy that they like, and I think he's probably a guy that's going to wind up on the practice squad. But I'm looking for one or two tight ends to come in off the waiver wire, certainly, and depending on if they get one or two as to whether Supernaw will stick. I think we're all kind of agreed to the same spot there with Supernaws. None of us really thought we wanted to keep around just because of how bad some of those penalties were and things like that. And then, you know, like you said, bring in the waiver wire and we'll see what happens with it. Yeah, I think that's the big elephant in the room with this team right now as far as the roster is what the other 31 teams are going to do, who they're going to release, and who the Titans can get that can upgrade the bottom portion or even the top portion of this roster. You know, if there's a surprise cut, just for instance, and I know this is not going to happen, but Darrell Rivas, if he winds up on the street, you can bet the Titans are going to claim him. Obviously, I don't think that's going to happen, and I'm not predicting that. That's just kind of a far-fetched example, but if there's a guy that can come in and become a starter for this team that happens to wind up on that waiver wire, they'll certainly go after him. Of course, a lot of guys, veterans, would automatically become free agents, but you know they've got the cap space to go out and sign somebody, too, if they really feel like that this uh, it's a veteran that could help this team. We're going to move out from tight end and talk about one of the bigger stories this offseason and Tajay Sharp and how good he has looked. I know that you've gotten the chance to see him in person down there, Greg. How impressive has he been, not only in the games, but in practice? Very, and it started from almost the first practice that he came in in the rookie uh, minicamp that they had where it was just the rookies out there, and uh, they did have Alex Tanney was in as a quarterback to – Uh, do some work with throwing the football because they didn't have any rookies that were uh, brought in at the quarterback position. But he was impressive from day one and just continues to impress with everything he does. And certainly we saw on Saturday night out in Oakland that he has some better speed perhaps than what people had thought because prior to that uh, catch that he made and then the long run that set up the DeMarco Murray touchdown, he had not been in the open to run like that he had been a guy that runs uh, the shorter intermediate routes gets to his spot catches the football and is almost immediately tackled or or brought down at that point and so we kind of saw something new from him the speed on Saturday night which certainly impressed everybody and says okay maybe he's not the fastest guy certainly he was caught from behind so he doesn't necessarily have the the home run speed if you will but it's probably better than what people thought, and he is 100% going to be a guy that can help this team this season. The question mark with him is he's a little bit on the slight side. He's not the thickest or biggest or strongest guy in the world, and does he hit that rookie wall somewhere around week 12, 13, 14 of the season when the college season would normally be done and now he's still playing plus all of the time that he spent with the rookie minicamps, OTA, minicamp, training camp, and so forth. So that's, I think, the biggest concern with him is can he produce for the 16-game schedule, not because of ability, but just because of running out of gas, basically, in this long stretch that is the NFL season. And Greg, you talked about it there. Not a big guy. And, uh, you know, one of the big things about him coming in was how he struggles to shake press coverage. We've seen him play against the press, you know, in a couple of these games and in practice, but he hasn't played anybody 
that's a phenomenal press corner. Do you think right now that he's silenced those critics? And do you think that if he goes up against a guy that is one of the better press corner, press coverage corners in the league, that he'll have an issue with it? Well, I certainly think that, you know, anybody in the NFL, with the exception of maybe Jerry Rice, Randy Moss, and a few of the the elites and greatest of all time, have at times struggled. And even Jerry Rice, you know, you go back and look at Jerry, there were times when uh, Deion Sanders was with Dallas back in the heyday of those two teams, and they were battling back and forth every year. They were the two best teams in football where Jerry Rice had games. He was shut down by Deion Sanders. So is it an indictment of Tajay Sharp if he has those games? No, I don't think so, because I think ultimately what's going to happen is that over the course of the season and over the course of the offseason next year and then coming into training camp, he's going to develop that strength. And whatever happens to him this year will be a learning experience. So if he runs into a Darrell Rivas or somebody this season that can shut him down and take him away, he can use that as a learning experience moving forward in his career on how to get better once he's more physically strong and capable of, of doing some things to defeat them in the in the future. So I think it's a positive for him if he does have some struggles because obviously you don't want things to come too easy for anybody in this league and, and you get to thinking that, you know, hey, I've got this mastered because certainly the NFL is a fickle mistress. Well put there, Greg. Talking about this now, we've seen him, and you know, still with Tajay Sharp, we've seen him really perform well in the games and in practice, like you've said. Have you seen a difference in his confidence and, in, you know, in his swagger since people have started to take notice of how good he has been this off season. No, not personally. Now, obviously, I didn't know the young man or had not been around the young man at all prior to him arriving here. So I don't know how he was as a player at UMass. Now, granted, UMass is not exactly the biggest football factory in the world, but certainly he was a star on that team with his performance and what he did statistically for those guys. I think his confidence obviously has grown, but I don't know that he has changed any personally. He seems like the same humble kid today, even with all the accolades and what he's been able to accomplish in such a short time through the preseason as he was when he walked in here uh, to begin his Titan career. So no noticeable changes with him there, and I think he's probably grounded and I think he's probably going to be that type of player throughout his career with the Titans. Uh, speaking of impressive rookies this preseason, Derrick Henry has looked incredible. I'm curious what you think the, the split between carries between he and DeMarco Murray are going to be. 60-40, I would say, at this point in time in favor of DeMarco Murray. Uh, the Titans are certainly aware that DeMarco is not the young guy in this group. They want to try to keep him fresh. They feel like that uh, he is somewhere between the 1,800-yard back that he was in Dallas two years ago and the 700-yard or 700-plus-yard back that he was a season ago in Philadelphia. He's not the top level that he was in Dallas, but he's certainly better than what we saw a season ago. But to keep him fresh is going to be key. So I'm I'm guessing right now it's 60-40, especially early in the season. I also feel like that perhaps that number could even up and go 50-50 as the season wears on so that DeMarco stays even fresher towards the end of the season because we certainly know Henry is young and strong and physical enough to carry a heavy workload as he did a year ago at Alabama. Now, they certainly don't want those type of numbers of carries that he had at Alabama, but he's capable of carrying more so as the season goes on to keep DeMarco fresh for the stretch. And obviously, if this team were to make 
the playoffs to have both those guys as healthy and fresh as possible for any potential playoff runs. Yeah, for the first time in a while, uh, having a crowded backfield is actually a good problem to have. Have you heard any extra word on Derrick Henry getting Parrish Cox's number 24 jersey? No, that's not something that's being discussed. Uh, I'm sure that's something that will probably pop up come uh, Friday, Saturday, over the weekend and into next week because certainly the Titans are going to have to make some type of decision about that. And a lot of that decision, of course, will rest with Derrick Henry and Parrish Cox if they decide, and and Cox certainly is open to the possibility of selling the number, if you will, or or making some kind of deal with Henry to to give up that number and him to change. So I think that's something that we'll probably hear more about after the final preseason game when Henry then has to start thinking about that more so than just getting prepared to go into Miami and play one more final preseason game wearing that number two. Yeah, they're they're always willing to exchange a little cash over a uh, jersey number. I think anybody's going to want to arm wrestle Derrick Henry, though. <laughs> no, I wouldn't want to wrestle Derrick Henry with anything. Trust no. me. If, if you saw that kid up close without his shirt on and, and just in a pair of shorts, as, as we see him at times walking around in the locker room, he is a, a guy that you could look at as the di- a picture of the dichotomy of man when you see this kid. He is just absolutely <laughs> cut up, uh, you know, just a physically impressive young man and and could probably go into bodybuilding uh now he certainly doesn't have the bulging you know overdone muscles that some of those guys have but if he wanted to he could certainly get into that uh because he's certainly on his way having a good start to it the way he looks and the the strength and things that he can do uh he's just a really impressive individual uh, in that aspect yeah i've described him at times as looking like the uh, predator from the arnold schwarzenegger movie just huge and the hair probably helps with that too you know it does got that, uh, that big bun that makes him about six foot six on top of his head i honestly don't know how he gets all that in his helmet but it, he does and you know it, it doesn't matter what he looks like as long as he plays the game and and does it well which he does and and stays healthy uh, because that's certainly the the main thing is for him to be healthy throughout his season career and Hopefully, you know, life after football, that's kind of one of the things that I think we forget about sometimes with these guys is wanting them to stay healthy for the fact that their quality of life after they're done playing the game and entertaining us. Absolutely. Very much so. We've talked to some former Titans players, and we've discussed that very thing of, you know, when was it time to walk away, the struggles they have physically afterwards and that kind of thing. So, you know, that's something that, you know, on this show, at least, we, we think about, we try to remind people of. Another, talking about another situation, the uh, Titans backup quarterback situation. Alex Tanney's looked pretty good this preseason, better than some of us thought he probably would. With Matt Castle, obviously the number two, do you think they try to keep three? I don't think so. Now, I could totally be shocked. Uh, I think that they're in the uh, numbers crunch, if you will. Obviously, there's 53 spots. Three of those spots are already taken, we know, with uh, Bo Brinkley, the long snapper, Ryan Suckup, and uh, Brett Kern. So that leaves you 50 positions, 50 slots to fill the rest of the roster for. And with the need at other positions, uh, especially perhaps cornerback, where we've seen uh, the Titans need the depth and not have it in the past couple of seasons, that there's really no way to me that they're going to carry three quarterbacks is Alex Tanney deserving? Certainly. I think he is. He has done enough to earn a spot with this team if this were a team that were more solid throughout the roster and didn't have as many needs. 
then you can have the luxury of keeping that third quarterback. But as of right now, I just don't see a way that they can do it. And, and Alex, unfortunately, is going to wind up on the street and probably be picked up by somebody where he might have an opportunity to move into the role as a number two quarterback, which would be great because he's a really nice kid. But he's an older kid, too. You know, this guy's 29. He's not exactly uh, the young rookie. He spent some time bouncing around before he wound up with the Titans. So I think that they would like to put him on the practice squad, but I don't think, and we've tried to look this up, he has any options available to go there. So I think it's a situation where he just winds up being released. Now, again, I could be fooled and they could keep three, uh, but uh, at this point in time, I'm thinking it's two. Yeah. Today we learned that Kendall Wright re-injured the same hamstring uh, that he was previously held out for. Is there anything that you situation, or what's your opinion on keeping him or putting him on the IR? Or what, what do you think about that? Well, at this point in time, and, and again, Mike Malarkey addressed this, uh, he came out to practice today. He was out during the uh, early warm-up period, during the stretch period, and in some of the individual work. And then he was – it wasn't a very obvious deal where, you know, there was a big thing made of it when he went out of practice. It just kind of happened, and I don't know that everybody initially noticed it right away that he wasn't back in the rotation. But then all of a sudden it's like, hey, where'd Kendall go? And you see him standing over on the side – and not participating anymore. And so the question was asked, and, of course, Malarkey is is a pretty straightforward and honest guy. He answered up and didn't try to say, oh, no, you know, we just took him out to rest him. We didn't want to overwork him on his first day back. He said, yeah, he tweaked it again today. And so uh, going to be out for Thursday night uh, for the Miami game, even though they would like to have him get a few plays in the preseason that's not going to happen but I don't think they're going to put him on IR at this point in time I think they're going to wait and see what happens and how it responds over the next few days but obviously you know he's been out five weeks so far and to come back and to re-aggravate it I guess maybe is a better word than injure it re-aggravate it so quickly says that there could be something else going in on in there and certainly the medical staff will, will take an even deeper look at it I think now uh, but I don't see the IR just yet. If if they get in and test it and find he's torn something or there's something more severe, obviously, than that, I think that would happen immediately. But as of right now, I think they want to wait and see if he responds to it and if they can at least have him there, uh, you know, in 12 days to try to put him on the field against Minnesota. Yeah, I, I get the feeling that he was kind of pressured into coming back and maybe a little bit too soon. You touched on Malarkey briefly. I want to know, I've been kind of the uh, Malarkey supporter out of, out of the group of us. That um, What was your opinion when we did hire Malarkey? Has he grown on you, or have you always been sort of you know on board? Well, I don't know that I was on board per se. I was certainly willing when he was hired to give the guy a chance because when you look at his career record, if you just look at his overall record of wins and losses, no, it's it's pathetic. I mean, there's no other way to describe it but if you delve deeper into the numbers and the situations that he was faced with in buffalo and then again in jacksonville you think well you know maybe this guy is not as bad of a coach as the record indicates because you go back and look at the one season where he had a winning record you guys can you tell me who his quarterback was that year no no i can't (laughs) drew bledsoe okay he won with Drew Bledsoe, who was a quality 
NFL quarterback. Now, he wasn't Tom Brady, he wasn't Peyton Manning, he wasn't Joe Montana, but he was a quality quarterback capable of winning games in the NFL, and Malarkey won with the guy. Bledsoe moves on after that. He winds up with J.P. Losman, who was a rookie, and you guys know what happens to rookies in the NFL. Even Peyton Manning struggled as a rookie quarterback in the NFL. He wasn't the Peyton Manning that we came to know over his career. So you could imagine what the situation was. And then he winds up going to Jacksonville. Well, he only gets one year there with a team that had been terrible and been rebuilding and had another guy that was a scrap heap quarterback, basically, in place. So I was willing to look and say, okay, he's got a quarterback now. Yes, Marcus Mariota needs some development. He's not there yet. But I think he has the goods to be a franchise quarterback. So let's see what the guy can do. And certainly I like what we've seen out of Malarkey, the way he handles this team, the way the team is responding to him. They seem to be growing together. The guys really like him. He's a presence in the locker room, which is something we didn't see from Mike Munchak. We certainly didn't see it from Ken Wisenhunt, who uh, I won't get into Wisenhunt, but he was not my favorite person, among other things. And – So Malarkey is doing all these little things. He's brought in this wrestling belt and done these individual things to put guys in one-on-one competitions to try to make it fun and to give these guys some bragging rights of, hey, I was able to do this and build morale and build the spirit up from the ground up and certainly getting the help uh, from Amy Adams Strunk with what she's done uh, with the facilities and the things that they've done out there to, to make the locker room, which is just incredible now compared to what it was, which was uh, a glorified high school is what it was prior to the to the changes that were made. Let's just be honest about that. Uh, but I think all those things have led to this team uh, circling the wagons, if you will, and they're totally behind Mike Malarkey, and I like what we've seen from the guy. He's put together this exotic smash mouth we're seeing some creativity which is something that we hadn't seen for years dating back to home run throwback in 1999 when they pulled off the music city miracle you know even the jeff fisher days we didn't see a lot of reverses we didn't see a lot of gadgetry and things going on and i certainly think that while you can't make a living with those things you certainly have to have those things in this league and this team had gotten pretty stagnant He's put some fun back in it to make to be sure. Yeah, I think all of us would agree with you right now, the way that the teams really has responded to Malarkey. <clears throat> but moving on here, we're hearing reports about Austin Johnson reportedly being outplayed by undrafted free agent Antoine Woods. How is Johnson responding to that? Well, Austin Johnson is a guy, and if you go back, and, and first off, let me say that if you put a lot of stock into the uh, so-called media experts, uh, Mel Kuypers, Todd McShay. Now, these guys know about football. They know about players, but they don't go out and necessarily study them in depth uh, the way scouts do. They don't get to know them on a personal level. They simply watch a little tape and say, okay, this guy's pretty good. We like him or he has potential. We're going to rate him at this particular position. Austin Johnson got a lot of that, and certainly he got some bounce out of the Senior Bowl when we were down there and saw him in the way that he uh, played and performed in the Senior Bowl week. But he's a guy that was a little bit raw coming in. And so he's had to work to 
improved technique, I think, is the main thing with him. He certainly has the size, the speed, the athletic ability, and the physicality to do it. But he's just having to work on those refinements, as I said, for the technique for the most part. Now, I like Antoine Woods. I think he's a guy that could help this football team. He is a miniature Jarrell Casey but I don't know that he's going to make the roster because I think they're probably going to run out of spots unless they just create a spot to keep him up on the roster. I think he's a guy they'd like to see come through waivers and wind up on the practice squad and develop there for a year, and then you look and see what happens with the, with some of the other guys you know, in, in another season there. Uh, but Austin Johnson is a guy I think that's going to be a player. He's going to be okay for this team uh, and, and be a help. I just don't know how much of it's going to be this season as he continues to try to refine and grow in those areas that he was a little bit deficient in that he covered up with the athletic ability that he has. This weekend, Austin Johnson made a great play of sliding down the line to cut off the runner before he could peek out around the edge. It was the kind of athleticism that when we drafted him, I was excited about because we needed somebody like that in the center of the defense who can push off a block, slide down the line, and still be there to make a play instead of just running along behind everybody else and piling on at the end. Austin's got a lot of potential. I was excited when they drafted him. Just like you said, he's raw. He's got a lot of work to do. So he certainly can't replace Al Woods this year. But it's somebody that I'd like to see get some extra attention off the coaching staff and see what he can become the next year or two. Oh, I think he's probably one of the guys that they're uh, maybe most excited about. Because, as you mentioned, that type of play and the potential that he has. and uh, He's getting a lot of reps. He's getting better. We can see uh, some of the improvements that he's making in practice. It's just a matter of just having a little patience with the kid and allowing him to grow and, and become what he's physically capable of being. And uh, certainly, you know, you look at uh, Tajay Sharp, uh, not to to backtrack, but you look at that guy, and he came in as a really refined product, even though he came from a smaller uh, non-Power 5 conference school. And then you look at a guy like Austin Johnson for the novice fan, and they're saying, well, Johnson's not very good because he's not doing a lot as a second-round draft pick when you got – this fifth rounder back here that's doing so well that's not necessarily the case just you just have to be patient with the kid a little bit and i think he's going to be a guy that's going to develop into a player for this team probably later in this season and certainly i think next year when he's had uh, a full season to to learn and to get some more game experience at the or game experience at the nfl level under his belt and and that's one of the things i was wanting to ask you about is you're around the team enough that you've probably had a chance to meet with john robinson a little bit and talk to him just having a guy who's come up through the scouting uh, ranks like he did it's such an advantage when you get to the draft and you find guys like tajay sharp late and a guy like austin johnson he can see what he's going to become and he has a much better idea you've been around for some Less than uh, spectacular drafting. We've spent a lot of time making jokes about uh, Rustin Webster, who is not, not on a personal level, but just on some of the draft picks he's made. And now that you're seeing what his draft class has done this year, I know he's redoing some of the scouting network. And are you really excited for what we're going to have coming in off our draft classes in the future? Well, I certainly definitely room for excitement. Although I would say I would rather use the word optimism about the future as opposed to excitement because Keep in mind that the draft is an inexact science. Even the best guys miss. You look at the Patriots and you look at Bill Belichick and what they've been able to do. Certainly, they have to be considered the gold standard of NFL franchises right now, but they miss occasionally. 
So that's going to happen with John Robbins over the course of, of time. He'll have some guys that he'll miss on. But certainly he, and, and let me say this, I like Rustin Webster. He was a great individual person. He was very personable, friendly, always willing to talk. But so is John Robinson. I had a conversation, a very short one with John today, following the practice as he was walking off the field. And he's always willing to, to talk to people. Now, he keeps his cards very close to the vest. You don't get as much information out of him. You could get things out of Rustin. He would uh, say it in confidence, or he would give you the, okay, I'll tell you this, but it's off the record. So you kind of had an, an idea where they were headed and what to look at, but he didn't want it out there. John won't do that. He's just going to keep his his stuff uh, you know, buttoned down and, be friendly and talk to you, but if you ask him a pointed question about an individual, you're not going to get much of an answer. You know, you might get a, yeah, good player, you know, that kind of thing from him. But I think he's going to go about things as we've seen so far, and he's basically going to do things the New England way. This is going to be a miniature version, if you will, of what's going on with the Patriots. He's looking for those type of guys. I think the days of seeing Justin Hunter, Doyle Green, Beckham drafted are over. We're going to see Tajay Sharp brought in or drafted, guys like Rashad Matthews that come in that might not be the fastest, they might not be the biggest, they might not be the most athletic, but they're guys that you can come in that are going to get to the field, that run the right routes, get to the right spot, catch the football, and you'll see that through other positions as well. You're not going to see the – quote, potential guys that have, uh, you know, all this all-world potential to be great unless it's a guy that obviously has been great along with that potential, like Randy Moss when he came out uh, as a receiver. He put up the numbers to back up, you know, the athletic ability that everybody saw that he had. So don't look for the big splash guys in a lot of cases coming out in the future. Look for solid guys from this, this general manager that can come in and be solid and help the team improve. Yeah, you, you covered right there where I was headed with that. I was going to ask you, with John Rollins, do you expect more of an analytical approach where guys who are disruptive or have certain traits that they're looking for that they can plug into a system? And th- This lineman here has a habit of getting his hand up on the ball or he, he disrupts rushing lanes as opposed to the guy, who, you know, the workout warriors that we saw so much of the last few years. Uh, as you said, you know, the guys with the all world stats that just, they couldn't produce. And so that's what I was going to ask you is more of a analytical approach of this guy creates disturbances. This guy catches the ball, whether he goes anywhere with it afterwards, isn't as important as the fact that he runs a good route and he catches the ball. Oh, I think he's definitely going to do that. And they're looking for personality as well. And in that, they're looking for guys. And he said this day one during his introductory press conference, John Robinson, I'm speaking of, of course, that he's looking for people that are team first guys. They're about the team and winning. It's not about, oh, I've got to have, 30 carries and rush for 200 yards today or I've got to have 10 receptions uh, 200 yards and four touchdowns he doesn't want those types of guys he wants guys that are willing to come out and do the dirty work and if you're today's your day where you have 10 catches 200 yards and four touchdowns that great you can be happy about that but next week if you get one reception for five yards and no touchdowns you're just as happy then because you went out and contributed to your team being able to win, and that's what they're looking for. And I think that's what you're going to see, those types of guys that, like I said, Tajay Sharp, Rashad Matthews types that come in, do the right things, get in the right spots, help you win football games, but they're not 
dynamic doing it. Now, will they add a guy that's dynamic? Yes. Obviously, if you get a guy, and I'll take a stab and, and flyer in the dark here, that if my Garrett is available this season when the Titans draft in the first round, depending on obviously uh, where they are with those two first-round picks, I think that's a dynamic guy that you could certainly see added. But his all-world potential, he's backing it up with numbers. So you'll see those types of guys, and you'll maybe see the splash guys in the first round uh, because of the what the first round is and because of the potential that those guys bring. But look for the workman-type guys thereafter in the second through the seventh round that are going to come in and contribute and, and make the team better and be solid guys and then let those first-rounders be the dynamic players and the big stars that can come in and do a lot of things and build a solid core that way. Yeah, I think John Robinson can do very little wrong in our eyes. Anyway, we've been we've been starving for a guy like that for so long. How shocked were you to see DGB get traded away? And I know it's been about a week now. What have you seen out of Dennis Kelly that kind of equals out the, the trade value, if it, if it does or, or not? Well, I don't put a lot into that trade value per se when you're talking about swapping a wide receiver for an offensive lineman, in this case a, a swing tackle, because it's hard to compare. Kelly is certainly uh, not going to put up stats that a wide receiver put, could potentially put up. Uh, I think he is, first off, he's a massive individual. The reports of how big that guy are were not exaggerated. He might even be bigger than he was listed. I think he's probably somewhere around 6'8". 330 doesn't do him justice. I'm thinking he's probably more in the range of 340. Uh, but he carries it well. He's not a uh, fat, slobby guy at whatever he weighs. Uh, I think he has some value that he can help this team. He's looked pretty good so far uh, in what we've seen of him. You know, now it's hard to watch the game on television and see exactly what he did as opposed to being able to break down game film of him. But I think they're satisfied at this point. But I also think that if there's a tackle that winds up on that waiver wire, that uh, Kelly could be a guy that's in trouble also, uh, simply because, you know, there's not a lot of allegiance to him. They traded, basically they wanted to get rid of DGB, and they just didn't want to give him away. I honestly think that uh, they fell out with him, and I posed this question to, to Mike Malarkey after the trade was made, was Saturday, and I mean, speaking of Saturday, the San Diego game, and you guys will remember DGB on the uh, Titans sideline, uh, moving to to the left end zone from the from the Titans sideline, uh, took off on a go route down the sideline, and he didn't get off the coverage. Mariota threw the football down the sideline, and it was 10 to 15 yards over his head, and he never got close to it. And it didn't look like he gave a lot of effort in trying to get off the coverage and get down the field. And so I asked Malarkey, was that the final straw? And he said no, but uh, he kind of had this look on his face like, and, and this is me just assuming based on the look, that, okay, you caught me. You, you're really asking a question, and I'm not going to give you an answer uh, to it, but, yes, there's something to that. And I kind of think that that's probably the case, that that was the final straw with him. And so they wanted him gone. They wanted to find somebody, and they had to get something in return because obviously there was a backlash from fans about the trade anyway so you could imagine what it would have been if they had simply released the guy got nothing for a former second round draft pick so they got a serviceable player that can come in and if there's not anybody better uh, on the waiver wire that they can pick up then kelly will be the swing tackle uh, for this team going forward this 
this season. So it's not a totally bad move. It was a little bit surprising, but just based on everything, and, and there's some things that are being said and heard now uh, that I can't necessarily go into and talk about, but about DGB that to kind of make it, you, you just understand why they decided to make the move when they did. Yeah, I talked earlier in, in our season of our shows, I'm in Oklahoma. So I had a chance to meet Doyle on campus. He seemed like a really nice guy and his head on his shoulders. I heard some different stories from other people, so I kind of think I know what you're talking about with that. One thing is we traded him for a tackle. Like you said, he may not make the team. He probably does just because he's a big guy, and we are really hurting for tackle depth. But we've discussed that we would have liked to have seen a little bit more, like either you know get a pick out of it, you know, if he could have gotten – you know, another pick for like he did with Tajay Sharp, you know, get something in the fifth, sixth round along with Kelly. That would have been nice or even just any pick. But you're definitely right. They, they couldn't just wave him because everybody would have lost their minds. You, you lose a fan base real quick with a move like that. Oh, absolutely. And let me go back to your point about meeting uh, DGB at Oklahoma. Very, very nice kid. Yes, he had his issues at Missouri. Uh, those are well documented. I don't want to go back and talk about those because certainly he's passed those. He was a model citizen here, okay? By all accounts, he was a model citizen at, at Oklahoma. So he has three years uh, of good conduct between what happened at Missouri and where he is now. So that was not part of the equation. And certainly the condition that he came into camp in at 225 to 228 pounds after being 240 uh, his rookie season, showed that he was dedicated and put in the work physically to get him there. The issues were with effort and learning the playbook and being able to do what they needed him to do there, and I think they just ran out of patience, and that was uh, that was the final straw. Again, what I said about the Chargers game uh, on that play where he couldn't get off press coverage with his size against a much smaller corner and at least make an effort to get close down the field and have a chance to get to the football, not be 10 to 15 yards behind it when it hit the ground. Yeah, and that's what I meant, you know, the other issues is knowing guys on the Oklahoma team and guys that are around practice a lot, the all-out effort to learn everything and the, the fine detail work he wasn't really putting in, it was never a question of would he go to the gym and do his job there. It just It wasn't that he couldn't pick up things, he just he didn't care enough about the little details because he was such a good athlete. Yes, and he got by with that great athleticism in high school, and he even got by with it at Missouri because, you know, you can take a guy and say, hey, go out and run these three routes, and we're going to throw you the football because he was a superior athlete, and it worked, but it doesn't work at this level when you've got guys, maybe they're not as big physically, but they're certainly just as good and, and athletically gifted as he is. Greg, we all, of course, have heard about, you know, Tajay Sharp, um, the two-headed monster we have in the backfield, Mariota, you know, everybody that we've heard about in camp. If you had to tell the casual fan, you know, someone under the radar that they might not have seen that has been putting on a really good camp, a really good preseason, who would be your guy? Well, I think there's a couple of guys, and they're both wide receivers. And, of course, I think people are probably going to know about them, but they haven't gotten the uh, talk that uh, certainly Tajay has gotten and obviously Derrick Henry uh, but it's uh, Rashad Matthews who has been very solid. He's done pretty much what Tajay Sharp has done. Now he hasn't had the big catch like uh, Sharp had Saturday night versus Oakland catch and run that set up a score, but he's doing the same kind of things. He makes catches in practice. If the football gets there and hits his hands, he catches it. And that's something that uh, this team needs. 
and I think he's kind of been lost in some of this. And I think in a couple of years we'll look back at this free agency class, and he'll probably be the guy of all the people that they signed, including DeMarco Murray, that people say, wow, you know, that was probably the best pickup of that free agency class. And certainly DeMarco was a trade, too. But still, uh, anybody that was added that wasn't a rookie, I, I think we might look back and see that with Matthews. And the other one is Andre Johnson. You know, this was a guy that came in and it's like, oh, they're just bringing him in just because. No, Andre's got some juice left. Now, he's not the uh, Pro Bowl all-world receiver that he was seven, eight years ago uh, down in Houston. But he's a guy, and think about this too, guys. Last year, he had 41 receptions for Indianapolis. That number, 41 receptions, would have led all Titans receivers. Now, not all Titans, because certainly Delaney Walker with 90-plus catches, but he would have been tops among the receiving core with 41 receptions a year ago. And he's still got some juice left in the tank, and this is a guy that wants to play. Now, he's not going to be an every-down guy, but he's a guy that can come in just like we saw Saturday against Oakland and get down the field and make plays and give Marcus another target. And he's certainly a guy that you got to respect. Hey, let me ask you this, Greg. With with Kendall Wright being down and out, uh, I know we looked at him previously. What do you think about bringing in Roddy White? There's been some talk about that, mostly among the media. That's not a question that's been posed to John Robinson. I can tell you this because I, I have a friend in the media down in Atlanta that is very close to Roddy White. And Roddy White does not want to come in and play for a veteran minimum. Roddy White is looking for a contract of some substance as far as financially. And I don't think that the Titans are going to be willing to go out and add that guy and pay him a great deal. If they could get him on a vet minimum, that might be something that they would look at, but I don't think they're going to give him a big deal. And remember, too, you've already got two aging guys in Harry Douglas, who's also had a pretty good camp, by the way, and Andre Johnson. So do you really want to go out and bring in a third guy that's 35, I think, 34, 35, I don't have the figure in front of me, but an older guy to add to this roster? I just don't see that happening Uh, you know, unless they just get to the point where they have some injuries and they need a vet presence and then they may have to go out and splurge for it. But right now they want to give him the vet minimum and he's not going to accept that from not just the Titans, but anybody. Greg, we want to ask you what your prediction for this season is. And the way we've been doing it is um, floor and ceiling. What do you think, you know, our floor is with the lowest that we're going to end up record wise and our ceiling. What do you think the best we could possibly end up record-wise. So what would you say Titans' floor and ceiling is going into this uh, football season? Well, I'll put it to you this way. I wrote this back uh, several months ago, back uh, just after the draft and looking at the schedule. Uh, I predicted 6-10 and 10 for this team, and I'm sticking with that prediction. So I guess that would be my floor. With some luck, and obviously you see – Uh, how things play out a season ago. Andrew Luck, no pun intended, uh, was injured and lost for the Colts. So if you get that type of thing uh, with Houston, say Brock Osweiler goes down and then they don't have a quarterback, they're uh, in a bad situation, you might steal a couple of games there that you shouldn't. You know, injuries play a big part in this league. And if the Titans can stay healthy and if they have some situations where some other teams maybe are short some key guys – in certain weeks, you might steal uh, a game or three there. So I would say probably I'm uh, I'm going to guess nine and seven would be the ceiling for me. 
but I think probably six and ten is more realistic looking at it, and I'm going to stick with that number as my prediction, six and ten. But I think this is a much better football team, even though the record may not necessarily reflect it, you know, at six and ten. That's not necessarily something to get excited about. But if the team is competitive and if they play close games and if they have opportunities to win, it's all part of the process of learning as a young team how to win games in the NFL. All right, Greg, we we could do this all night. Uh, I know we've all thoroughly enjoyed having you on, and obviously you're welcome back anytime. But tell us about your new podcast you got coming up. Well, we're starting, and it will be one week from today. Uh, there'll be daily podcasts. They're going to be out in the mornings. We haven't set the exact time yet. We're still working on a few things to decide if it's going to be 9 or 10 a.m., but it's myself and Terry McCormick who writes for Titan Insider and Williamson Source here and former Titans left tackle Brad Hopkins. The three of us will be doing these podcasts, and again, it will be daily, Monday through Friday. So I'll let you guys know. I'll send you links to it once we uh, have everything finalized. We had some talks again today. Uh, We're scheduled for another conference call tomorrow, just kind of working out the specifics of everything. I wish I could give you more information on it, but, again, a lot of it is is still to be determined. So uh, once we have those uh, items settled and worked out, we'll certainly pass those along to you. Yeah, definitely please do. I, I actually saw on Facebook today it's Terry McCormick's birthday today, so... Tell him from the Two-Tone Uncensored podcast to give him a happy birthday for us. And um, he was actually on tonight. I don't know. You're probably already aware. He was on a, uh, the Fantasy Channel on Sirius XM Radio. I didn't get to listen because I was uh, heading home getting ready for, for this podcast. But I know he made it on there tonight. I'm, I'm pretty sure that was a good listen as well. Oh, yes. Terry is a, is a great guy. First off, he and I are friends. We've actually coached Little League Baseball together for the last two years. I don't have a child. He's got a son that played Little League, and we've coached together. And uh, we travel together for road games. So Terry and I spend a lot of time. So it was just a natural when we put this together. And then getting the opportunity to have Brad join us, certainly uh, you know what that adds to the broadcast, having someone that's been there and done that the way that Brad Hopkins did over his career in the nfl big fan of b-hop so people can follow you greg over at tnfb scout on twitter that's correct yes that's correct you can also find me uh, under my name greg arias on uh, instagram uh, though i have to admit i'm a slacker when it comes to instagram i don't necessarily put up as many pictures as a lot of other people uh, that's something that I, I know i have to start doing a little bit better but you can uh, you can follow along and see some pictures and videos and things there uh, but Twitter is the main uh, place where that you can find me uh, at that uh, TNFB Scout address that you mentioned. All right, thanks a lot for coming on. As Matt just said, it was it was a very very great show and a very good time having you on. And of course, welcome back anytime, Greg. Well, I appreciate that. You guys just uh, you've got my number. Give me a call, and uh, I'll be happy to do it anytime that uh, the schedules will allow enjoy doing it you guys are very knowledgeable and well informed and know what you're doing and i've enjoyed a couple of the uh, podcasts that i've been able to listen to uh, that i wasn't a part of so uh, certainly keep up the good work good luck with it and uh, again thank you for the invitation and look forward to doing it again in the future thanks very much for that Greg. it's praise from caesar right there yeah on on one last note greg glenn's giving me a lot of crap for how much praise i give you <laughs> i just want you to know i stick up for you at all costs 
at no time have I ever given Greg any crap. It's it's the amount of bro love that Matt has for you, which is completely justified in this conversation. I absolutely love talking to you tonight. I, I can't wait to do it again. So well, I, 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 I forgive that. Matt. <laughs> I appreciate Matt. Matt's certainly been a, a valued supporter uh, on social media. That's where he and I got connected, obviously. And uh, I, I appreciate everything. And, uh, I won't go into some of the specifics, but I think it was last week's podcast. I may be wrong about that, but it's been within the last couple of weeks where my name became a topic of conversation during the podcast. Certainly listened to that one and, and got a good laugh out of that with you guys uh, talking about me, so I appreciate that. That's always big. Thanks a lot, Greg. You're welcome, guys. Have a great night. Another big thanks for Greg Arias for coming on the show with us. Always a delight to have someone as knowledgeable as him on the show. But that's about all we have tonight, guys. Remember to check us out at twotoneuncensored.podbean.com. And on that site, you can check out the poll that we do every single week. The poll question this week is going to be, which bubble player do you think, or do you want to see survive and stay on this Tennessee Titans roster? We'll have a list of them out there for you. And if you're listening to the show, it should already be up. So go on and make sure you vote. Also, check out the NFL Pick'em that we have going on, as I mentioned in the beginning of the show. Uh, you can check out the link on our site as well and get on on that and have a chance to win some cool prizes and a chance to take on us three idiots and see if you're smarter than us. But that's all we Pod have. For, that's all we have for the show. Podbean, indeed. Uh, that's it. And everybody have a great night and tighten up. Podbean! Thanks for listening to the Two-Tone Uncensored Podcast. You can listen to the show at twotone.pinecast.co or by downloading the Stitcher app on your mobile device. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter at Two-Tone Uncensored and like it on Facebook.